Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Camp. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is Wednesday. We are in Berea, uh, sitting just outside the facility, and the Browns are getting ready to play the Rams. Now, we didn't get one of these to you after the game on Monday night, but uh, the night turned very late, Mary Kay. I think uh, we both ended up pulling all-nighters. I was working at the airport. You were working at, at the airport, probably at a different gate somewhere. Who knows? Um, but... We, uh, we were unable to get a podcast to you then, so we're going to talk a little bit about Monday Night Football. We're going to look a little bit ahead to, the, ahead to the Rams, and then what we're going to do is we're going to try and get another one of these out to you later in the week, and what we're going to do is we're going to take questions from our Football Insider subscribers. So if you are subscribed to Football Insider, of course, Mary Kay sends out texts to that group all the time. Uh, you're going to be able to text some questions to Mary Kay, and, and we'll try to get to a few of those around our normal uh, podcast stuff. So head to cleveland.com slash browns if you are not a subscriber and click on the red banner at the top of the page and um, sign up for that. And it's $3.99 a month and you get your questions answered on this podcast as part of it. So uh, anyway, Mary Kay, let's get to it. We're going to run through six topics here. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Let's, uh, let's talk about Baker Mayfield, the game that he had, what he needs to do to play better, and Basically, Freddie Kitchens coming out and saying, you know, he needs to get rid of the ball quicker. I need to create plays for him so that he can get rid of the ball out of his hands a lot faster. And um, he doesn't want him taking as many hits. When you look at the statistics, uh, specifically next-gen stats, revealed that Baker held the ball longer than any other quarterback in the NFL during that Jets game on Monday Night Football. 3.35 it was in that game. And I think he's 27th in the NFL right now at something like 3.02. So that's way too long. He's been sacked eight times uh, in two games. At that pace, he would be sacked 40 times. Oh, no, 60 times, I think it was. Yep. Uh, Yeah, 60 times. And um, that, I'm sure, would break records, obviously. (laughs) Or no. I don't think it does break records. I think I, I had that in my story. Somebody might be more, but 60 is too many. That's 60, really yeah, the point. 60 is way too many. And, um, and so this has got to get much better in a hurry. And it's also coming at a time when they are playing one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL in, in, the, in the Rams coming to town on Sunday night. And Aaron Dar- Donald, arguably the best defensive player in the NFL, uh, coming after him. So what a time. Yeah, and you know, last year that was sort of the staple of the of the offense was Baker Mayfield being decisive, getting the ball out quickly. Um, 
and, and getting the ball to his receivers quickly in space. So uh, it, it's a little concerning that that's not happening this year. And like you said, this Rams team is going to get after him. And, and I wonder, too, how much of this is just defenses are really focusing on taking away that first receiver and how much Baker has to kind of adjust a little bit now to, uh, you know, Finding that second guy, that third guy, you know, Todd Munkin was talking about guys um, kind of getting redirected, uh, bumped off routes last week, and, uh, you know, it was, it, it's a concern. I don't know how much of it is on Baker, how much of it is on the receivers, how much of it is on that line, uh, but that ball's got to come out quicker. Well, I think it's a combination of um, a bunch of different things, and I think one of those things is uh, the fact that I don't think that Odell is playing as fast right now as he will be in two or three weeks. Except for when he had that got that catch the other night against the Jets. That was fast. But before that... Exactly. And not necessarily <laughs> and fast. And his route running and things right. like that. Yeah, yeah not, not fast from a speed standpoint because that was the fastest score in the NFL this season. But what I, what I mean by that is just you know, knowing where to be, sight adjustments, the whole offense, everything. He didn't have a chance to really practice very much in training camp. You can take mental reps all you want, but until you get out there and you're playing in the speed of the game, uh, that's when, you know, you have to be on point every single time. There was one that one throw we were just looking at earlier today where they were completely on two different pages on that throw. It was a, a wild overthrow uh, to Beckham, but I'm sure that you know, maybe he came back a little bit on that, or, and Baker thought he was going to keep going. I mean, it was a miscommunication between those two. So I think Baker is looking out there and hoping uh, that everybody's going to be where he needs them to be, and maybe he's waiting just that extra split second for it to unveil the way that he wants to, but he's not going to have that kind of time. Yeah, which takes us to the topic number two here that I'll bring up, and that's um, something Joel Batonio said, and I wrote about this um, after in the, the wee hours of the morning on, on Tuesday. Um, Joel Batonio made a point after the game that the reality is this offense has only been together for two weeks. Um, Beckham, as we've talked about, didn't play in the preseason, didn't take team reps, all that stuff that, that you were mentioning. Um, this offense just hasn't been together, and this is sort of – like the preseason for this offense. And I think on that side of the ball especially, it is so much about timing and rhythm. And it's going to take a little time. This isn't going to be a, a two-week build of this offense. It's going to take time to really get this thing uh, sorted out. And the defense is going to have to play a lot like they did against the Jets, which we'll see if that's sustainable because the Jets were not a very good team offensively uh, on Monday night. And certainly the Browns get credit for that. But um, – you know, this defense is going to have to hold up while this offense gets things figured out. Absolutely, 100%. And I, I even asked Freddie about that yesterday on the conference call. Doesn't that have a lot to do with it, that these guys just haven't played together? I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. They, they are playing their preseason right now. And it's hard to learn on the fly, especially when you're going to be going against some really good defenses. I thought that Greg Williams did a really, really nice job of, of presenting confusing and multiple looks. And as Booger McFarland was saying on the broadcast, he changed things up pre-snap. If he was giving a, uh, a man look, he quickly switched to zone and vice versa. And you can do those kinds of things uh, against a quarterback and then a young quarterback. And then, uh, you know, you're not playing as fast and you might just hold onto the ball just that split second. So I think it's going to get better as time goes on, but you know that this week is going to be a tough week to make that happen. Yeah, you got a pretty good defensive coordinator uh, over in LA and, and Wade Phillips, who's been doing this a long time. And you know, Sean McVay kind of gave him the reins of that defense and he's sort of a, a second head coach in a lot of ways. He, he's the head coach of that defense and um, he, he's going to, he's going to have things dialed up for Baker. And again, we're seeing that, you know, Tennessee, the Jets, 
There's a little bit of a book right now, I think, that defensive coordinators are following, and that's life in the NFL. Now Baker has to go out and adjust. Now he has to take that book and throw it in the trash and make defensive coordinators come up with some other way to stop him. And, and that's sort of what he needs to do here in year number two. Well, that takes us to topic number three, and that is um, if they take OBJ out of the game. And again, you said Wade Phillips, really good veteran defensive coordinator and great horses up front and a good defense uh, that can do all kinds of creative things and are going to try to give hell to the Browns' offensive line. But if you take OBJ out of the game, if you focus on doing that and covering him up uh, with an extra defensive back, and that is the focus of your game, the Browns are going to have to get really creative and do many, many other things. Now, Freddie said today he wants to get the ball into Nick Chubb's hands more. I thought the, the Jets did a very nice job of clogging things up and not giving him good rushing lanes. Uh, so sometimes that you know that's not always going to work. You got to hit the short passes. You got to hit screens. You know you've got to do some of those kinds of things for him to be able to to get the ball out faster. Because I think most teams right now, the focus is going to be shut down Odell as much as you possibly can. We can all see how dangerous he is. We already knew it. He's going to be even more dangerous when he and Baker heat up together. So OBJ, I'm sure the the Rams are going to come in here and they're going to try to take him away. Yeah, and the Chubb thing is interesting because um, I actually was a little surprised when I looked at his numbers. Uh, I think he had, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I, I looked at his numbers after the game, and I'm like, huh, those are lower than I thought. Yeah. Because I thought he had a pretty good game. I thought he ran the ball well, and, of course, he had that long touchdown run. Um, but I also thought the way they used him just was really uncreative. And, yeah. and you mentioned the Jets bottling him up, and I felt like he ran the ball a lot on first down. Uh, there weren't a lot of kind of unexpected running downs with him. They were taking him off the field on third down a lot. And Freddie today said that maybe we will see a little more Nick Chubb on third down because they want to. They're trying to get him in the passing game more too. I, I just thought that was part of the issue. Is I, I just and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just watching that game and kind of looking back through the play by play, at least in the first half, first down, I was seeing a lot of Nick Chubb run, Nick Chubb run, and and that's. That's basically asking for a defense to stop you, and then you get behind schedule a little bit, and it throws the offense off. So, again, it kind of goes back to that the creativity and the sizzle just hasn't really been there offensively. And, you know, they were a little banged up. They were missing some guys on on Monday night, but um, they're going to have to try and get him more involved. Well, you know, Freddie Kitchens, maybe this is another topic, Uh, Freddie Kitchens' play calling. He addressed it today. We will. We'll call it topic four. Topic four. Freddie Kitchens, he addressed it today. He was asked about, you know, being the head coach and the play caller and how's it going. He said, so far it's going fine. Uh, but we haven't seen uh, some of the create creativity that we saw from yeah. him last year. So, you know, you have to wonder, are they just, you know, waiting and kind of doling things out little by little and they're going to have more of that for the Rams? Uh, but we haven't seen some of, the, some of the trickery. We haven't seen the exciting offense that we saw in the last eight games of last year. And, you know, I think it's in part because this is a whole new offensive staff. They're still getting to know each other. They're still developing their offensive identity. What happened last year was that those guys all had their areas of expertise. And when it came time for Freddie to be the offensive coordinator, they each dug in to their area of expertise and really... All of them together. They pulled together. Freddie and all those guys really overachieved and honed in and focused in on things. And they did an amazing job. 
They also, as I've talked about a million times before, <laughs> they played some crappy defenses. Yeah, they really did. Okay? They were not running up against the Rams every week. They weren't running up against a Greg Williams crafty defense every single week. They, they were playing some inferior defenses. And I think we, we have talked about that ad nauseum, Dan, and I think you're seeing a little bit of that now. So you're going to have to be more creative. You're going to have to go back to some of those uh, trick plays and, and different kinds of things and, and disguise things and get guys rolling in motion and have Jarvis throw a pass to Odell or whatever. You, you've got to mix some of that stuff in. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I'd argue they haven't really played a great defense yet this year. They played Tennessee's a good defense. Right. Uh, the Jets... I don't know. I mean, they didn't have C.J. Mosley or, or Quinn and Williams. Right. And, you know, I don't know if the Jets have a good defense or not, and if they do, they certainly didn't have an, a number of key guys, including Mosley, who's, who's really the guy that makes that defense go. Right. Um, so this is going to be a test because the Rams, for as much as everybody loves to talk about that offense and, and everything else, the Rams have a really great defense. I actually looked today. Um, they have only allowed – and I should remember this, one or two plays of over 20 yards this season. Wow. Um, it, it's one or two. I kind of looked back at their, their last two game books. So this is a team that hasn't given up a ton of big plays. They're very good defense. They get after the quarterback. Um, and, and so this might end up being the, the best group that they've faced. But, you know, from, from a play-calling standpoint, some of that creativity hasn't been there. Some of the motion that we saw before hasn't quite always been there. Like there was a play on Monday night where Jarvis motioned into the backfield, yeah. like we saw early in the Titans game. Yep. And the Browns were in a different action off that than they did against the Titans, and that's the sort of stuff we were seeing last. Yes. Year. I'm going to show you this. Right. And then I'm going to do something different off of it, and then I'm going to do something else different off of that, or maybe I'll go back to what I did before. And it was just keeping teams sort of on their heels a little bit. And you have to wonder, and I don't know how this is working out, and who knows if we'll ever know. How is Todd Munkin factoring into the whole, yeah. you know, the whole creation of this offensive scheme? Uh, you know, we know he's not calling the plays. Freddie's calling the plays. How is he factoring in? You know, is, is he having a huge influence on the game plan? Uh, you know, I, I know he's one voice in there. Is he a, a large voice? Is he not? Are they going to turn a little bit more over? We don't know how it's all working out. What we do know so far is the offensive production has not been what the Browns need it to be. And, you know, again, going back to the thing about Baker, uh, you know, there's a book on Freddie now, too. You know, teams, These teams that have the Browns on their schedule spent, you know, all offseason preparing. They, they know Freddie Kitchens now. They've, they've looked at his play calling. They've looked at his tendencies. They know how to approach him because he hadn't been a play caller before last year. Nobody really knew a lot about how he was going to call plays. Um, so that's out there uh, as well. Let's talk about Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer. That'll be topic five. I'll take topic five and six here since you ended up throwing out two. Sorry. Uh, that's all right. I'm hogging the topics The Scottish today. Hammer is your special <laughs> teams player of the week. And we, we talked about it after they made that decision. It was a risk. Uh, Mike Prefer even admitted it was a risk that the safer play would have been to keep Britton Colquitt. But so far, uh, Jamie Gillan has done a great job punting the ball. There haven't really been any issues with holds that we've been able to see. Uh, it looks like early on the Browns made the right call with this. Yes, and I think for a couple of weeks, Dan, I had been saying that there's something yes. about this young man that I thought was too special to give up. Too many things that he could do well, and he was coming up the learning curve so fast on so many things, including holding, which he's never done before. He's a hard worker, he's a natural athlete, and he's got a booming, booming leg, and I just felt like, 
from an upside potential standpoint, you can't let this young man walk out the door. You just can't do it. Because I, you know, I did come to find out later that there were a ton of other teams that would have jumped all over him, <laughs> including the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think that the Browns would much rather have Jamie Gillen on their side than having to face him, you know, possibly a couple of times a year. So far, it's worked out really great. And these two young guys will build their careers together. And Austin Seibert has made, he's got, he went four for four in that game. Uh, ever since that, uh, you know, just that missed extra point in the, in the first game, uh, he's been golden. And I think it's a it's a nice duo between those two guys. Yeah, and I mean credit where credit is due. I, I know that I felt like Britton Colquitt was you know if you're if you want to be a team that's going to the playoffs, you want, you kind of want everything to work right, and that's part of why the hammer was such a risk because maybe you throw that wild card in there, you don't know if it's going to work right. The same thing with the rookie kicker. Uh, you draft him in the fifth round. He was a disaster early on in camp. Uh, it looked like maybe he wouldn't get that job out of camp early on, and then he kind of stabilized things, but. You know that you took those two big risks, and of course, in two weeks in, it looks like those two risks were worth it. Now we'll see. I mean, you know, we're not going to be able to judge Austin Seibert until he lines up for a game-winning kick and see how he responds to that, or when they score a big touchdown at the end of a game and they need an extra point to tie or take the lead. Is he going to step up and make that extra point? That's how we're going to ultimately judge him. But as far as uh, Jamie Gillen is concerned, his positional kicking, all of that stuff, it's, it's all been great. Well, I have to uh, criticize myself. I, I patted myself on the back there for Jamie Gillen. I wrote Austin Seibert off on several yes, occasions. Yes, you did. Uh, that's true. I mean, wrote him off. <laughs> I said, I'm done. And why is that? Because on two different occasions in training camp, I watched him line up for just field goal drills with no wind, no weather, no defense, no pressure on the, you know, from from a coverage standpoint. And I watched him go one for four in field goal drills twice. <laughs> and on one of those days, he missed a 37-yarder and a 40-yarder. And I thought, there's no way this can work. Well, it, I mean, it was rough. Those first few days of camp and, and even going into the Orange and Brown scrimmage, it was rough with him. I mean, there were field goal attempts that looked like kickoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's how bad. He wasn't just missing. Yeah. He was missing badly. These things were flying into the stands. They, I mean, right. they were way off the mark. It felt like there, there's no way this guy's going to be the kicker and make the roster. And now here he is. He's, he's off to a great start. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, so I was definitely wrong on that one. But I think it's fun to see these two guys sort of start out together. And I think they have the potential to be here together for a very, very long time and be two key components of a Browns football team that really is built to go win some Super Bowls. That's what they're doing here. All right. So that, that kind of leads us into our last topic, right? Because you mentioned a team that's trying to win Super Bowls. And they're going to play a team on Sunday that lost the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. Uh, they, they hope they have their quarterback. They just re-signed him to a huge extension, so they mm-hmm. believe that Jared Goff is the guy that can lead them there. They have the head coach that they believe can lead them there. Uh, so I, I was actually asked this as part of a radio interview, and I think it's an interesting question. What obviously the goal is to win the game, mm-hmm. but taking that out of the equation, what what do you want to walk away from Sunday thinking about how the Browns looked against the Rams? Uh, well, I would like to see them have a really smart and creative game plan on both sides of the ball. But I want to see something that tells me that the Browns are headed in a, in an elite direction. Okay, 
Because what I've seen from the offense so far in the first two weeks, it hasn't felt elite to me. And again, I do attribute it to the fact that it was like their first two preseason games. But I want to see that they have some really smart wizardry going on on you know, on both sides of the ball to go, along, to go along with the talent that they have and how do they scheme it up and what kind of adjustments do they make at halftime if things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, look, you want to win the game. If they win the game, you walk away feeling, oh, boy, they, they, a team came in on Sunday night that's supposed to go to the Super Bowl and the Browns beat them. That matters. But I, I think just like Monday night's win, there's certain levels to winning. Like, you didn't walk away from Monday night's win feeling like, all right, this Browns is a team is a bona fide playoff team they can win the AFC you walked away kind of thinking yeah they won but there's still some issues I'd like to walk away from Sunday's game win or lose thinking the Browns went out against the Rams and they showed that they belong on that stage against that team and they can play with that sort of competition because that's the sort of competition they're going to face you know they, they go to Baltimore San Francisco's 2-0 um, they, they've got Seattle on the schedule. None of those teams are the Rams, but if you can go out on your home field and show that you belong in that same class, you know, even if you lose the game by like three or whatever, I, I think you walk away from that feeling better about things. Yeah, and, and I think when you look at this Browns schedule and you look at this season and the team and how it's going right now, the really good teams know that you have to start hitting your really hitting your stride in November yeah. and December. That's when you need to be the well-oiled machine and I think that's when the Browns are going to start to be the well-oiled machine and it will coincide with them playing a Pittsburgh Steelers team down to Mason Rudolph instead of Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) and playing the Cincinnati Bengals twice that are in rebuilding mode playing the Dolphins that are in tank mode yeah so it's going to converge the Browns kind of hitting their stride and figuring out who they are and what they are with the easy part of their schedule but they got to get to that point with a decent record. And they've got a tough, tough next five weeks. Yeah, I mean, the good news for how this sort of broke for them is the toughest team and the, the other toughest team in the division, unless Mason Rudolph is, you know, the next Tom Brady or something, the, the toughest team in the division, they're going to get that road game against them out of the way. So even in the second half, yeah, they have to play Baltimore, but they get them at home. Um, you never know what kind of shape either team's going to be in by the time you get there. And, and even with Baltimore. You know, they've people have hinted around at this, but they've only played Miami and Arizona. Yep. So, you know, we'll see. We'll yes. see what kind of team they are. But right. there is a world where even the Browns, they could lose this week. And I think even they could go to Baltimore and lose. But as long as they look like they're making progress, right? they can come out of September with a less than stellar record and still kind of have hope that they can get where they want to get to. But, you know, they've got to start showing some signs. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I think, down to a two-team race now in the yeah. AFC North. I mean, it's it's the Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. That's the way I'm seeing it. And they have to stay strong in this first half and then really make a, a run in the second. All right, so there we go. Six topics again. Um, go check out Football and Scr- Football Insider, it's our subscription service. Uh, it's at cleveland.com slash browns. You get a daily newsletter with an exclusive piece of content that does not show up on the website. It's only for those subscribers. Uh, we do some post-game videos sometimes where we only take questions from uh, from folks who are signed up for that. And then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start taking questions for the podcast uh, through that service. And, of course, you get texts from Mary Kay every day, and that's how you're going to be able to send in questions as well. So you want to go check that out if you're a listener here. Uh, you want to check that out and get your questions answered and give us some of our topics as we go through these uh, all the time. So that'll do it for this one. For Mary Kay, I am Dan. Thanks for listening.